Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Today is maybe my final. Can you believe it? I, I was able to land the plane just perfectly. Never has happened in my whole life. But I made a handout back in September, and I've been methodically going through it, and um, I'll send the full handout on some group texts that we have here, and if you want to see it in its fullness. But this is the final um, segment, and this segment is the last um, resource of the abundance. How many know that the Father, that the divine trinity is lacking in nothing. He lacks nothing. So what was his idea for mankind then? You know, that there's something amazingly special about humanity that we we all need to understand and embrace. And a lot of us don't know how special we are, Right? And we make choices out of our identity belief. All your choices are made out of what you believe about you. So that's why it's really important to understand the things that God provided for you and why. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a team mentality. So I've played on a lot of teams and I get what makes teams, I love to watch team sports, not necessarily for all the bad stuff, you know, because there's this bad stuff in all things. I like it. You know, I watched this Cowboys game last night and the Lions are known. I, I've I've been watching football for 55 years, so that's a lot of years, isn't it? But the Lions have been known. They, they played the Detroit Lions last night and they are – in my lifetime, they're known as tricksters. They're, they're the tricksters. And so they try to pull this trick play at the end of the game. And I can just see the whole narrative of the coach. I watched the coach after the game, what he said and how he said it and his body language. And at the end of the day, he tried to pull a fast one over the referees. And the referees got together because they were smarter than him, clearly. <laughs> and they realized how he was trying to trick the game to win. And... You know, at the end of the day, he could have tied the game and they could have went into overtime. But no, he only wanted to win because why? There wasn't anything at stake. He's already in the playoffs. He doesn't really care. So he's going to be this little trickster. Well, I was just thinking that that's kind of sometimes what we do with God. Is that God, he made everything for a reason. You're here at this generation, 2024, not because God was like, well, I don't know when else to put them out there. I think we'll just do it now for a specific reason. And he's the coach and he ha- he's not a trickster. And he, you're playing this game against a trickster. You here on the planet, you're playing a game against the enemy. And he's a trickster, and he tries to finagle. But listen, the divine trinity gets together and is like, no, we see you're manipulating. We see you're trying to swindle your way into the hearts of people, and he just won't let it happen because he's a winner. And so he put you here for a reason, and he supplied all the tools of the game. But here's the thing. It's God's game. It's God's thing. You fit underneath his thing. You didn't just come here and, I mean, we can't even breathe on our own. You don't just come here and say, I'll change the entire system and I'll get a bunch of people to do my system and think God's going to be like, okay, I'll bless that. I'll concede on my way in the way that I made things and I'll let you have your orphan way. He won't do it. God's number one job every day, excuse me, is renewing my mind to his ways because my mind doesn't think his ways. 
And I know, I know y'all have seen this happening for you where you just thought something for so long and all of a sudden something came in and you, you're like, well, that may not even be God. Yeah. And you were shocked, right? Well, think about it. Those things about God are unending. So I've got to lean into the fact that I'm the one that needs to change. I, it's not a bad thing. I'm not horrible because I need to change. I need to lean into change. I need to lean into doing things to get feedback on purpose. You know, one of the things with the worship team, and they're a product of people getting together that knew nothing and forging something out of the nothing. So when they got together, they didn't know each other. Aaron didn't know Shooty. They didn't know Cece. They didn't know Vinton. They didn't know Moo. Nobody knew each other. And so when we got together, we began to talk about what was priority. And what they thought was priority wasn't the priority. So somebody had to know, I like how you're feeling, and I like that you're passionate, but it's wrong. And they didn't get offended that it was wrong because why? They were leaning in to be coached. They were leaning in to learn. They were leaning in to say, well, here's what I'm bringing. I just have this little Kleenex I'm just bringing. Is it, does it fit here? No, it, it doesn't fit there. And what are the things that don't fit in the kingdom? Our ways. I know you think they're better than, I know. I love the line, well, I'm better than I used to be. Well, great. But... It's still you. It's still you. And so we get so offended. And, you know, when someone just points out something we did out in the open, I guess what my job is, is y'all do crazy stuff. And I just point it out out here in the open. Everything I'm talking about is what y'all did. Why? Because I did it too. And that begins to have something that's touching it, molding it, shaping it like clay. Have you ever, you know, the, the whole pottery thing's a big thing right now. Throwing some clay. Pfft. Well, what if you just sit there and watched it go around in a circle? I went to this pottery class, and I watched it go around in a circle. And you come home with a lump, no one would be like, they'd be like, who's the teacher? That's the first thing they would say. Who, who's the teacher? What were they teaching you? Because you have to touch it to mold it. God has to touch you to mold you. He don't intend for you just to constantly go around on this wheel. It says in the Bible, he's the potter, I'm the clay. You are the clay. You need shaping. He's the great shaper. And he uses our experiences to shape us. That's why we have to have some. Right? We have to have some experiences to be shaped. You know, my mom was telling some stories about me yesterday to make the girls laugh because she tries to say that I was a really picky eater. But, you know, she told the story about her serving me cow heart. So see right there, fried cow heart. I can, can you see why I became a pig? I mean, she thought of it as a joke, but that's the problem. She tried to hoodwink me all the time with sauces and juices and things that I don't want on my tongue. I don't want that in my mouth. I don't want it. I don't want to smell it. Think about that cow heart being cooked. But, but see, I don't think of myself as picky. I just know what wants to be in my mouth, and I just am able to say it. I don't want that in my mouth. I want chocolate in there, and I don't want strawberries in there. That's why they make me break out. I don't want them. Anyway, but as she's telling this story, it's making everybody laugh, but but what happened was she adjusted. This is what a great mom she was. She said this. She would eat it if she liked it. My mom adjusted cooking to get me to eat. That's what she said. I would make something I know she would eat because she was easy to tell me. And see, that's that's a great analogy of God. He knows what he likes. And guess what? I know this is shocking. God can't change. He would, wouldn't he just be like us if he could? Right. Man, that's good. And if I decide 
I want his abundance. I have to decide I'm the one changing. I'm the one he made me to adjust to him. Honestly, all the things, this is the honest truth, that all the things you're having to adjust that seem so hard, you know, so you're so resistant in, you're, you're stubborn, or you just can't follow through, you're, you like discipline, you like follow through, you like commitment, you feel introverted as CC used to feel, you feel too extra, you're too much, the extroverts say they're too much, the introverts don't show up, all that, all that came from training that wasn't God. You just adjusted yourself to where you could fit in the environment and be as true to you as you could. That's really all that happened. But see, in the family of God, God intends for your anointing to shine. He'll keep shining on you to make your anointing be known. You're meant to be a display for God. You may not want to be, and you may feel like you're a million miles like that balloon from wanting to ever interact with people or shine for God. But at the end of the day, he puts you here to flow through. And he will keep adjusting your mind, adjusting your circumstances, things that you try to make work out that are super small, super dumb. They won't work out. They won't work out. You might be 70 and still trying to get them to work out, but you'll finally come to a day where you'll be like, I can't do it. Just yield now. Yes. I say right now, sitting in this room, 2024, you're going to say, I'm not going to have any restrictions on God. I'm not going to make God be small like me. I'm just a super small human that doesn't believe too much. And so God adjusts down to me to make me feel comfortable. See, that is the one prayer I had to change. I had to say, I can't be comfortable anymore. Because where did I learn that comfortability? From somebody that didn't know me, didn't know what I was called to do. Come on. So these resources are available to us for the purpose of the Father. What was the Father's purpose in giving us? We're going to talk today about uh, authority. What was the purpose? Let's read it in... Let, 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 let's start out in, in uh, Colossians before we read about that. In Colossians 2, this is what it says in verse 3. It says, for, it's on your handout, for our spiritual wealth is in Him. Where is your spiritual wealth? If I'm not, I mean, if your wealth was in the bank, you have to go to the bank somehow, either on your phone or physically, to what? Get your wealth. Spiritually speaking, which is the superior realm. Nobody agree? Agree? If we really believe that, we would say, in him, it says right there, it's like a hidden treasure waiting to be discovered. So see, dreams are a great way. So Cece told me this dream about the Chandlers. Now, in the dream, it was a lot of other details. Tons. Because she's a very... She's a very detailed oriented person. She's oriented person. She sees details and she dreams in great detail. I had to sort through a whole lot of detail to find what? The gold that it becomes a word that is encouraging to cause somebody to want to ask more about the father about it. Right? If I just said you gotta see you got you're hitting your head on the ceiling with a tiny door, I mean that don't mean nothing. <laughs> That just sounds kind of negative, kind of, right? So you see, that's the purpose of him flowing through us. When it flows out of us, it should sound like him. Yes. As opposed, to it would just sound like our understanding of it. And so this is why the treasures in him are waiting to be discovered. If I find a treasure, what do I do with it? You know, I was talking about these dishes that my mom has well, Sidwell, while we were there, she was pointing out to me how much she loved that we ate on those yesterday. You know, we did. So you remember I said, I don't even know if I care about those. So what is Sidwell? She said, these are beautiful, 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 beautiful. And I was like, I know what you're doing, girl. You're just getting your, your little finger touching them in case I don't know who to give them to. It'll be Sidwell because she loves them. It just came out of her. It was a hidden treasure. She knew she could treasure that. 
Right? 120-year-old dishes. She wanted to treasure those. That sounds cool to me, to her, to me, no. Right? It's just we all have different... And so that's the thing about the kingdom is that all these hidden treasures are specific for you. Yes. Don't, don't hit your husband or your wife or your mom or your dad and say, get them treasure. No, you. Yes. They're hidden just for you, yes. just for your personality, for you. Yes. And he's got so much. Let's don't try to make everybody share. Yes. Get your own treasure. Get your own dishes. And pass it down. Pass down this understanding. See, my treasure is in worship. And so I am passing down my treasure to people who value it. Everybody in the I mean, sadly, everybody in the room doesn't even value worship. But I know that's where encounter happens. And see, that's where the power comes from. I figured out the power comes from the encounter. My authority comes from submission to the mission, but the power to do the authority comes from the encounter. So if I don't ever avail myself of any opportunity to encounter him, I just have a whole lot of, let's say, what does authority feel like? It just looks like a bunch of rules then. Just looks like a bunch of stuff I don't know how to do. The power to do it comes from the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, by His Spirit. The power to do the authority comes from the encounter, comes from the Holy Spirit. So when I don't have any encounters with the Holy Spirit, that's why I can have a bunch of Bible knowledge. I can know where a bunch of scriptures are. I can have some theology. I can have some things, you know, that I want to wield and slap people around with because I know the Word. But when I haven't had an encounter with Him, All I am is just a religious book. The encounter created the love letter. It says, your spiritual wealth is in him like a hidden treasure waiting to be discovered. Colossians 2, 3. Heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. That's the balloon analogy. And this is what he said. I want you to know this so that no one will come and lead you into error. What is the error of today? I put it on your handout right there. What evil we overlook, we will eventually permit. What we permit, we will eventually legalize. What we legalize, we will eventually promote. What we promote, we will eventually celebrate. What we celebrate, we will eventually persecute and criticize those who still call it evil. That's where we're at. In the world right now. It's a good summarization. I got a little bit of that from, what's her name? The king lady. I can't remember. So the right, I said it here, the right to manage and steward a realm. What is this realm? It's a supernatural realm. The supernatural realm of God was was made and intended to invade the natural. It existed before the earth existed. Does anybody agree with that? So it existed, then he made earth, he made the circle, he made the planet, and he put what on it? People. And he said, I'll put people there, I'll put animals there to, so the people can eat the animals, so they can survive. I'll put vegetation there so the people can eat the vegetation, so that's how we survive, right? So think about it. I mean, I was just watching a thing the other day that... Chick-fil-A had all these people there, um, uh, what do you call it when they go and they're mean? Yeah, protesting. And they were they had names for the chickens, and they were calling out the chickens' names, Betty and Bluey, and, and they were talking about how bad it was that we killed the chicken. And see, that's this movement right now, especially in America, is to polarize everything. And there's bad in everything. I mean, yeah, you can just pick a subject. I mean, kale's bad now. I mean, just pick a subject. I saw a whole thing about kale the other day and how bad that is. Pick a subject, and there's somebody against it. It, That's why you you don't even know what to do. And you can tell the enemies about it because what does it do to humanity? It shuts us down. It, It paralyzes us to function. That's what COVID did. That was the great hoodwink of the enemy. It paralyzes to function. 
And it began to implement, it just showed how much the enemy could shut down the entire planet. And see, that woke up some people. Made some people really mad, like the lion's coach. It just woke up some people to different things. But listen, the realm that he wants us to govern and have authority in is the realm on earth. You can't govern or have authority where you have fear. Because you'll open the door to the enemy. And then you'll do this thing right here. You'll begin to overlook. what. And, and at the end of the day, what happens? You don't even remember what's evil and what's not evil anymore. You don't even know what's good, what's bad. You don't even know what's right and what's wrong. There's no standards. And so that's why I said to, it's the right to manage or steward a realm according to the statutes of the governing authority. Who's the governing authority? God. Not the state of Oklahoma, not the United States, but God. If I don't know his ways, I can't govern. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says there'll come a day where the earth will be made brand new. And what you did on this side of eternity will determine your position of what? Authority in the new earth. So that, that changes what I do, see, when my mind becomes renewed, I begin to change the plot of land around me. I can't go change all the music that I know is satanic in the world. I can name a few right now that I would like to change. Because why? They're influential. They are the music of death. The music of the demonic. But... What realm can I change the way we worship? I can influence us to worship in spirit and truth, which is what in John 4 it said, Jesus said, there will come a day where people will worship me in spirit and truth, and it will be a mountain. So I can't change five, nine billion people, but I can change two. So I just chose to change two. This product of worship takes years of develop because it takes years to unify because we came with a way. As much as bro didn't want to or shooty didn't want to, they came with a way. And so God had to shape and reshape and twist and turn. When I met Cece, the girl never dreamed of singing. She just... Nothing. There's no nothing on her mind about singing, especially not being a psalmist or writing songs. No grid for that. That's 39 years old. What did she do for 39 years? Not write a prophetic song. But now we're on song number 70. What happened in 11 years? Transformation. A renewed mind happened. You're hearing the product of 70 songs of unified worship. Now, I don't know how it makes you feel when you hear it. I know what I feel. I know that I can come in here tired. And sometimes it's just the first note. You know, we get here really early. You know, on Sundays we're here at 8. On Wednesdays we're here at 4.30. It might just be the first note he hits on his guitar, just warming up. He can just be tuning it might just be the first moment where she says, let me just play, get these chords. She said, let me just get these chords underneath my hands. And something happens in the room that I cannot explain. But I know that an encounter is awaiting people that come in here. That's why he says, he sets a table before us. And see, I know, I know y'all don't know this, but I know how little we talk about Okay, now be sure and sing this, or be sure and sing that. Zero. What do we do? We focus on the one. I bring their hearts, and I say, look at him. Let's just, let's just look at him together today. Let's, let me just tell you what, when we song right, I say, well, let me just tell you what I learned about him today. Let me just tell you, I was reading the scripture, and this thing become alive, and let me just share it with you. And then all of a sudden, we're just singing a song about the word. It's not so 
black and white and methodical and thought out and planned and it's him just flowing through us. And see, every single one of you in this room has something like that trying to flow out of you. What is stopping us is that I don't realize this realm that's stopping me, I have authority over it. I don't realize that and I let it dictate when I rise, when I sleep, I let it dictate where I go and how committed I am. I let it dictate how I feel, what I, when I sit down, when I pray, when I let it do all these things. But this realm of God is just an invitation for you to blossom. For you to have everything about you that he made in you work together for good. That's his, that's his objective. It says God's mandated authority to humanity is to govern the planet like he intended. Listen, I don't get to pick the plan. Listen, here's this crazy plan that God would send his only son Because he's so loved. What is that plan? It's a God-sized plan. Who of you would sacrifice your son to be despised and rejected by humanity? But I know this. I know that when I receive him, and I know I get saved a lot, because I repent a lot, because I say, search my heart a lot. I say, search my heart, search my heart. I feel good. But search it. I don't want to be good to me. I don't want to be the one checking my own heart. I can't. I can't even smell my own bad breath. Or if I may have a booger on my nose right now and I don't even know it. Because why? I need him to check me. I need to be in line with him. I need my heart to be in tune with him. And so when I let him check me, he checks me with love. Because he's so loved. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him can live. Not have death. And he says it specifically, but the enemy came to give you death. He's offering up death all the time on every level of your life. But God so loved. See, that one scripture you just have to remember, when I'm feeling yucky, when I'm feeling far away from people or God, I say, oh, you so loved me. You so loved me. You gave me Jesus. You gave me a free gift. You gave me an invitation to come back and reconnect with you. So this big thing that I'm having with my brother and my sister and my mother and my father, it doesn't really matter because you so loved. Yes. And what is love's greatest objective? It casts out fear. See, I know whether I'm in love, whether I have fear. When I look out ahead at 2024, if I have fear, I don't have the love of God. When I look out over, well, I don't know if I'm going to know what to do. I mean, you got that one. You don't have the love of God. He knows what to do. You only have to know one thing. Yield. It says in Hebrews, present yourself a living sacrifice. We all would be presented if we were dead. But it's the choice of the living, the choice of the living to say this life, however crappy it's been, this life I give to you. Can you do anything with it? I mean, I'm telling you, Cece, she had, tells her testimony all the time. She was on all kinds of medication for anxiety. Tried them all. And I remember the day, I remember where I was sitting in front of the church downtown when she called me and she said, this is my last time. I'm not taking that pill anymore. And I remember in me, I thought, God, you better do it. You better be true to what I've been telling her. You better do it. You better do it. Because this woman is basing her life's decision on what you said. She is choosing today to believe this little girl, Teresa Rogers, that says you don't need those meds. And see, hidden underneath the medication was the anointing that you now experience. When that little root note comes out of her little mouth, you are the product 
of someone believing he so loved. He so loved me. He's the answer to anxiety, not the pills. He's the answer to what doesn't go well in me, not some doctor. And I'm not against doctors, trust me, but I'm just talking about something different today. I'm talking about a realm that you have authority over. And see, I had to teach her the authority that God had given her because why? She just didn't know it. Nobody, when you don't know it, you just don't know it. You're ignorant. And so you'll live, I mean, because in my lifetime, I knew a realm of authority, but I had an encounter when I met Bill Johnson, and that encounter changed my life forever when I, when I began to host his presence. When he began to say that I had to live with the dove in mind, I had to live that this Holy Spirit wants to abide right here, and he's sensitive. He's sensitive to music, to movies. He's sensitive to how I talk. Pam was telling me the funniest story. I could not quit laughing yesterday. She was telling me that the Holy Spirit laid something on her heart the other day. And she, it was, it was a cost to her. She was going to go give something that was a cost. So as she's driving to give this beautiful gift from the Holy Spirit that he said to her, a man pulled out in front of her. So she honked and flashed her lights. <laughs> and she said, oops. Oh, God, forgive me. I forgot where I was going. Oh, I forgot the mission you had just told me to do. I let my, I let my big soul get in the way all of a sudden. You're preempting me. That's just real life. But see, in that moment, she has this relationship. And he said, your heart just changed all of a sudden. But she was able to hear him quickly and say, oh, right, right. Let me adjust. How, how sensitive are you to that adjustment? It really comes down to that because he'll never quit. I mean, if she hadn't heard him then, next time she honked, he'd say it again. The next time she drove too fast, he'd say it again. Why? Because I've got to live. I've got to host this presence. It's your greatest weapon in life. You won't do this life well without his presence. You can't have him as a condiment. He's got to be the main thing. He's got to be the thing that you bend and lean and breathe and think about. He's got to be that important because then he begins to shape the world around you. Don't worry about if you're married to somebody or not married to somebody. Don't worry about other people. Worry about this hosting personally your heart with him. If you do that, I promise you the environment around you will adjust. Yes. Don't try to get people to adjust. Listen, if you're trying to get someone else to adjust, you're already off. Your job, you didn't so love that you gave. You're not the savior. You're not the heart changer, but he so loved that he came and he got you. And you now, right now, you're hearing my voice and I'm telling you, hosting his presence is the most important thing you can do in life. So make adjustments yeah. to your music, yeah. to your TV shows, to your conversation, yeah. to who you do business with, to what? To host Him. And everything around you change. No one can do that. Probably everybody in here, but Army's got a phone. You can listen to anything you want. You can do anything you want. You can watch anything you want. You can waste time on it anytime you want. But listen, at the end of the day, his host is looking for you. This Holy Spirit is, is it. He's looking for a host. You are it. I'm going to be it. Yeah. All you have to ask yourself is, am I going to be it? Am I going to be a host for the Holy Spirit? It says this, that all authority 
was given to Jesus. Remember that? Let's read about it. It's on your handout there, Matthew 28. I love this this verse. Uh, can I read it in the Passion? It's good in all of it. But he says, Jesus came close. Have you had that moment yet? Where Jesus came close? This was a friendship conversation. There's an implied context here. Everybody's not close enough to be close. But Jesus came close, and he said to the people he could come close to, all authority of the universe has been given to me. So now, wherever you go, who's you? It's you. It's understood you. It's a said you. You. You are you. Right now, embrace it. As Jesus coming up to you, he says, Son, all authority has been given to me. Now you go. You go and make in others what I made in you. That's what Jesus did that day. That's what a relationship with Jesus is about. It's not about getting out of the hot place. The hot place wasn't even made for you. It's about receiving your assignment and receiving from this relational Jesus this ability to hear you have what I had. My th 33 years was all it took to show you how to live. And he says, Make disciples. What's a disciple? It's someone who follows after the ways of the mandate yeah. of the governing body. Yeah. You know, really what's happened in society as a whole is that Christianity didn't have power. Right. Listen, I was 29 years old when a little guy in somebody else's youth group told me, he said, I like coming here. To, there's this church in Colorado. I like coming here, but there's no power to do anything. And I heard the groan of the Holy Spirit. Because, see, I had been experiencing the power to do stuff. And see, that was, he was 17. He was a little boy from Florida, and he would tell me how much he enjoyed reading the book of Job but he would call it job. <laughs> because he didn't, what he didn't know, nobody had taught him. All he knew was that there was some sort of power he kept reading about. Wow. He didn't know how this power thing worked and what would he do with it. That's what's happened in Christianity. We didn't have any power. We didn't demonstrate it. Right. Now we're demonstrating. We may not be good at it, But, you know, I, I challenged the Desrim team. I said, this year, these things that you've just been tasting of and touching, we're going to see in a new way. It was just, it was that day. Siwo went to one of our customers' house. And, and she's a new grandma. Baby's two months old. And I see you can't breathe little grandma she's not even she's probably 50 years old sitting at the kitchen table <laughs> weeping she so said well I had a choice right then what does she do she brought the presence see words wouldn't have meant it's gonna be okay they don't matter they don't mean anything right. if you don't have the presence yeah. you're just another Backpatter. Yeah. You may be a good backpatter. I'm proud of you for at least patting the back. But they need power. Yes. She patted her back. She began to rub in the anointing. Yeah. 
Only like said what can do. I need another demonstration. <laughs> she's beginning to rub, rub her back. And then she just brought her close. Just brought her close. She just brought her close. She's brought her close because why? She had something to impart. She had something to impart. She wasn't just going to leave her with a prayer. See, I've been trying to teach Sidwell, you're apostolic. You have something. You have something to give away. Doesn't matter the shape of the person or what they're doing. You have this in you that you have to give away, and it has to meet up with the need in humanity. Otherwise, why did God so love? He so loved because humanity needed what God could do through humanity. That's you. I know you don't think you're good at it. And I know that you're hearing these stories of people that you think are just awesome. But I mean, Sidwell doesn't feel awesome all the time. But she gave what she had. And then she went further. She said, whatever you need, we will come to the hospital. We will do whatever you need. Why? Because God's so he knew that day that grandmother would need that thing. If you knew how the timing even of our business works, it's crazy. The timing, the intersections. That's the point of this authority. Is to make disciples. To make what is a disciple? Disciple is somebody who hungers for what the teacher says. That's what separated Jesus. You understand all those men had heard teachers. They were all around the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They all knew the word. They were religious to the core. They knew the Torah. Korah. Porah. They knew it. But what was different? Jesus came close. It's the coming close. It's the relational aspect of the teacher. And see, he's given to you. So what he said, you've got to baptize them. Right before that, he breathed on them and said, receive them. This is, this, the Holy Spirit, just like salvation, is in measure. If I don't use the measure I have, I have no need of another measure. Listen, I cook a lot, and there's a lot of measuring going on. Well, not much for me, for Lynn. I'm not a big measure, but when I do, need to measure, right, Lynn? The measurement matters. Because if I'm going to double the recipe... And I leave out or overdo the measurement the recipe needs, the product ends up being something else. We made something for Bailey's birthday the other day, and she don't know it, but those didn't turn out. Because it, I knew what it was supposed to, the texture was supposed to be, but it was still good. But it wasn't what we were making. It, it was great, but it wasn't the recipe. Something failed in the recipe. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try it again. See, somebody else would be like, oh, well, that recipe's no good. No, I messed it up. I could redo it, and it would be great, and everybody loved it, and it was great, and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't what we were making. See, that's the kingdom. I know you're doing the best you can, but it isn't the king's recipe. Is it what he said? Is the results, is the results he said happening in your life or not? Is it his result? Is it his recipe? You're all good people, but you've got to do the recipe of the king. 
You don't get to make up another version and then say, bless it, anoint it, glorify it. It doesn't happen that way. He says, I have ingredients and I have certain things that I know. I love Cece's favorite line is they know what goes together. And let me tell you, the triunion knows what goes together. And you can go do another version of that all you want, but it can't be anointed. It can't have authority. It can't have power. And all of this is just an adjustment of thinking on my part. When I just adjust my thinking, you know, when we did the riches house, you know, Pam and I had to pray about what to do because they didn't know what to do. I mean, they had a flood and Roosevelt went and got a mop. I mean, they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know. It's, it's going to be our favorite story for the rest of his life. There's four billion gallons of water in their house, and he goes to Target and gets a mop. He didn't know what to do. It's overwhelming when something is beyond my experience. You see, Pam and I have been there. We've seen a flood and a fire and a hobbit and a, a hut house. We've seen it all. First thing I said was, Tell that boy not to get a mop. It's not going to help. We needed a different recipe. We needed to look at it in a different way. I mean, the crazy thing, that thing is still unresolved in the insurance world because crazily their insurance company went bankrupt. But see, we're going to see it through to the end. And we're going we're gonna to laugh at what the adversity. Remember what I said Wednesday night? We're going to laugh at what adversity made us feel like because favor was sitting there all along beside it. You see, every time that happens, somebody, you get somebody in your life that can see the recipe. Because when you don't know, you don't know. But see, now they know. Now they have a different experience. And see, that's, that's the beauty of this commission of God, this mandate of God to carry the weight of this authority. Let me just really quick, as I said this earlier, sometimes God wants to do something through you, not just for you. You only have authority over the storm you can sleep in. Remember what Jesus did in the storm I said Wednesday night? He just said, peace, and he said, where's your faith? See, prayers can be answered, but am I wielding the authority to see them answered? The chaos outside of you must submit to the peace within you. I like I was listening to Bill this week, and he made this statement. He said, the world around you begins to sh take shape. It begins to look like the world within you. John Paul Jackson used to say, private victories become public displays. That's what's happening right now. Everybody in this room, something is happening on the inside of you because of what I'm saying. It may not be a public victory for you yet, but something on the inside of you is saying, something, something needs to change. I want to operate under the authority of Jesus. It's the only way. Back Real quickly, back to the handout. Your, your internal reality is what becomes an external reality. That's why we need this authority. Deal with what's on the inside and it will reposition you for the world around you. This is it. Authority should empower you to manage yourself according to God's ways. Do justice. Everybody want to will some justice. Everybody in here has had injustice. Don't you hate it? Yeah. Don't you hate it? Yeah. I hate it. I w I've been done injustice. So why does injustice exist? If we're not careful, we will blame God for injustice. When there is no one greater, there's no one who's more just than God. When we begin to take ownership for our lives, we begin to wield justice on behalf of those who don't know it. Maybe that's your whole calling. 
Maybe somebody in this room is meant to speak words of justice over those who have been done injustice to. You've got to begin to realize justice is trying to flow out of you. But the enemy keeps bringing injustice to you to make you look at injustice. Most of the time, the very thing we're trying to get for ourselves is the very thing he wants to flow out of us. It'll help, it'll help you to stay, bring repentance, salvation, healing to those who are not following Jesus. It'll help you hear, respond, and steward his voice over you and eventually others. It will help you live from a commission of life-giving focus, not just a monotonous routine. Authority comes from submission to the commission. Power comes from encounters. No matter, this is a song we wrote, no matter what I thought, God gave me these lines, no matter what I've known. I've thought stuff and known stuff. Listen, I've been in the prophetic my whole life. I have never seen what God's doing right now. I've never seen the Spirit pour down so many people. I mean, just like I said about one of our customers, they're in Crescent, America. That's not anywhere. I don't know of any move of God happening there. I think they only have a loves there. But guess what? The move of God came to Crescent on Friday. No matter what I thought, this is my prayer for you. No matter what I've known, pour out your spirit on me. Nothing untouched, nothing undone. Affection cries out to the Holy One. I'm waking up. Come on, CZ. What a beautiful day, beautiful message. You know, um, Tisa talked a little bit about my story, but one of the, um, I'll start here. You know, we started off today writing down some of our regrets for this past year. And just to be vulnerable, some of the, what I wrote down was a regret was that the times that I lived in negative thinking and fear thoughts and orphan mindsets, when I know that God didn't write that story for me. That's not the story he wrote for me. I, you know, like she said, there's so much, so many times that I've made choices based on what God said just because he said it. And I'm willing to give my life for it to be proven true. And so um, one of the ways that I first in my journey, I started, um, I don't know, being captivated with the fact that um, Christianity wasn't just a bunch of rules or guidelines even, that it was a story that God was writing. You know, and that God had had a dream, dreamt of me, imagined me before he sent me and had a whole story in mind when he created me. And so I wanted God to have the chance to tell his story, you know, whatever story he was thinking of, whatever that is. I don't even have to know it all, but I wanted him to have a chance to tell the story that he thought of when he imagined me. And so that made me yield to his ways and his words in different moments so that his story could come come be played out right and so um when i realized you know when i wrote those regrets down the reason i regret that is because those are times when um his story didn't get to triumph in those moments now it might have just it may not have affected anybody but me you know but i regret that like that grieves me because i want god's story to be my story I want God's story to be my story. You know, it says God is the author and the perfecter of our faith, right? He is the author and the creator of us. He's the one who wrote our story, right? Well, a cool thing happened today when I was asking him, well, is there anything you want me to share on the topic of authority? And as if I had never seen it before, if this word is still up there, do you see the word embedded in the word authority? Author. 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 And I thought, what a cool way to look at the authority that he's given us. He has said, you are an author. You are an author. You are an author. I've given you the keys to the kingdom, the right, and I've delegated and designated to you the right to be an author of my story on this earth. I've sent you here with a pen in hand to write my story on this earth. Write my story first within your own life. And then you get to help write other people's stories. We are authors for the kingdom of God. And so we get to look out across the world and see what doesn't line up with his story. And we get to tweak it. We get to edit it. 
You know, I, I edit a lot of these, like these handouts and stuff. I'll edit them, not all the time, but sometimes. And I edit like the sermon notes and stuff. And so a lot of times I will see what either Tisa said in a sermon and what someone else translated into a written sentence. And I'll remember what she said and I'll realize this sentence doesn't say what she said. It doesn't actually reflect, it doesn't tell the story of what she meant. Even if she said it that way, it's not what she meant sometimes, you know? And I then edit that. I take my, she's given me, you know, access to say, hey, to tell people or to tell even her own handout. Hey, this doesn't say what you want it to say. This actually says something else. So as an author, I would correct that to say what the, the original story meant. And that's a new way I'm seeing that's how we are meant to, to wield this authority. We are meant to look out and say, hey, that doesn't match with God's story for you or, in, or internally in our own world. This does not match my mindset right now, the way I'm feeling, the choice I'm wanting to make, whatever it is, it doesn't match God's story. And I have been given the title as an, of an author over this story. He gave us the right. That's why he gave us free will. He didn't just say, you will do what I say because I said so, okay? He said, you have the free, you have free choice to write your own story. But he's hoping we'll write his story with our lives. And so that's a new way to see authority. Authority sometimes, for some of us, doesn't sound like something we want because we even have bad impressions of people who've been in authority or it's too much pressure or people get angry at people in authority or they'll, I'll hurt their feelings if I operate with authority or all those things, right? To me, this just gives a new angle on operating with authority. We are authors of his story on earth. And you know, it was, it tickled me because I remembered a dream I had just probably a week ago or so. It's all been a blur, you know, what day, I don't even know what today is, but time has been a blur. But I had a dream not too long ago where I was in a position to reinforce the laws of the land. Let's say that someone was not obeying the laws of the land. And I was telling them, hey, you need to obey the laws of the land. And then when they didn't, I could use my mind to make a pencil shoot at them like an arrow. <laughs> it was so cool. Like I didn't, I can't even act it out because there was literally no action. I was just like, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and it like first it like shot them in the leg, a pencil shot in their leg. And then they just kind of kept acting up. And so I'm like, well, shoot another one in the, in the shoulder, you know? And I was like, I just kept doing it until they realized, oh, you have authority. You have authority. And so I've, I've been pondering on that. And what does a pencil represent something you write? You write. And so I feel like this is just an emphasis. The Holy Spirit is really on this for us to see authority in a new way, to be connected with it in a new way, to have a desire to have it in a new way. And he's bringing this close, just like the picture of that that hot air balloon. The authority of God may even sound like something that was far off. You being able to wield authority for God may sound like something that was just a, a hand in the sky, right? Nothing relevant to your life, but something you were aware of barely, but it's coming close, just like that hot air balloon. It's landing in your backyard. It's landing in your territory, on your plot of land, in your life. And so he's saying it's time to operate with that authority. Write your story according to my story, and where you've misspoken something or miswritten something that doesn't line up with it, then just edit it. Do a quick correction so that it, it lines up with his story. It's an incredible, incredible privilege. And you know, I love the story that Tisa shared about Roe and the mop with the flood. I love that story. But you know, one of the first things I love about it is that he was willing to do something he saw a flood and all these thousands of gallons of water, and all he knew is that ought not be. <laughs> this is not right, and what do I know to do? Well, we clean up, you know, puddles with mops. I'll get a mop. I mean, he was willing to do something, even if it wasn't something that was big enough to make the impact that was needed over that thing. But that's the heart position we need to have. 
So we may, we may see things and feel like, well, I don't have authority enough to make a difference on that, but there's always something we can do. Even if it's just in our prayer life, if it's declaring something, if it's calling and asking for wisdom, there is a mop that you can grab to start acting on that thing that has flooded your life or the life of somebody around you. And so I'm, I'm so proud of him that he went and got a mop and a fan because he was going to do something about it. He knew that he, this was his house. This was his territory. This was his home. He, this was his realm. You know, he was, he's king of this house. I'm not going to let this happen. He didn't just pack up the car and say, we got to move. He was like, we got to do something about this. And that's the heart position we should all have. We need to take ownership of that there is a story being written on earth right now. There is a story being written no matter what's going on in your life. There is a story being written in your life and in the lives around us. And so we can make a difference by operating in our authority. Okay, authority. <laughs> so, Papa, I just thank you for this message today and for the way you are impacting each of us in our hearts and our minds. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have already predetermined that you are coming close with this message, with this topic of authorship and authority. You're coming close into people's own backyards where we're going to have the opportunity to practice this, to see that we actually have the power to do something about the things that we see, to see that we actually have the power to rewrite aspects of our life, to line up with your story. I thank you that you are coming close with this subject matter, that this isn't a story of a distant God who has all authority, but of a God who has come close. Emmanuel, God with us, has given us authority, and it's something that's meant to be alive and active and breathing in this present time in our own backyard. And so I thank you, Papa. I thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We just say yes to you. We magnify you today. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for us to know the real story, to have access to the full story of God's fathering heart over us. Holy Spirit, make it a personal message for us so that we can rewrite our own lives and impact the lives around us with your story. We love you so much. It's in your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.